Welcome to the SDC live podcast. Uh, I think everybody out there in their homes watching are going to see that we are in our homes broadcasting. Uh, did John? Mine looks familiar. I think right, right. Uh, so we've. Uh, I guess we can do our thanks. Uh, we are still working on. Uh, Thanking Warriors out for the sponsorship, getting us some of the equipment that we've been using when we're uh, recording all together. Uh, I'm sure some people might hear a little uh, extra fuzz in my face. Uh, lovely sinus infections, so we decided to do these separate today. You, get the um, you don't sound any different. Right. You actually sound a little better, I think. I sound better? Thank you. <laughs> So, hey, Bill so must have absolutely nothing to do. He's on. Bill's already here. <laughs> what, All you right. had nothing to do tonight, Bill? <laughs> All right, so I think this All is right, going to be kind guys. of fun putting up this way. Uh, we've got ways to bring people in, I think, even if we ever get to that point. Sure. Uh, but uh, hopefully, and hopefully everything looks uh, different than what we're seeing on our screen. Oh, oh, he's talking, John. That makes sense. Good. All right, uh, so one of us, right? So you <laughs> guys want to the topic, and we'll let you guys yeah. introduce the topic, and we'll Come get going. John. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, for joining with us tonight. Uh, we are, as you can see, coming from our homes. Um, this is kind of the we're taking challenges one one step at a time. Um, <laughs> so thanks for being patient with us. You know, uh, thanks to Jared, we're becoming tech savvy. Um, but uh, to, to he is. Us, we're not. <laughs> right. We we gotta. We don't want to get too much. Right. You, in 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 uh, uh, Barnes Noble, there's going to be like Facebook Live for idiots, and then there's going to be Facebook Live for John and Dustin. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know, we're we're making do. Um, but tonight, you know, over the last week and a half or so, Dustin and I have been talking. And um, as far as my interactions recently with first responders, um, they're really hard-pressed to believe that they have PTSD um, or PTSI. Whoa, what are we looking at, Jerry? Or Dustin? But, uh, <laughs> and I got to thinking or, or asking myself, why is that? You know, you're you're telling me all these things, um, and and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but these symptoms, right? So somebody gets a hold of me and says, you know, I can't sleep. Uh, every time I close my eyes, I'm I'm seeing this, or you know, if I hear this or I smell this, it brings a certain incident to my mind. But I don't have PTSD or oh, PTSI. Yeah. So I began. I, I, I kind of wondered, right? You know, because. And I think I mentioned this in one of my videos before, you know, if we have a, a, a like a stomach ache or headaches that won't go away for a while, we go to our family doctor and find out why, right? And so I was wondering, why is it when we have these symptoms that we just think, oh, I'm getting older, I'm not sleeping well, it's just part of getting old. And, you know, that, that incident didn't really mess me up, you know, I, I was able to go back to work and still do my thing. And um, it was another podcast that I was actually listening to where it, it made complete sense that when it comes to mental health, many of us don't know anything about it. Now, obviously, Dustin, you're kind of separate in this topic, but what, what I knew about <laughs> mental health came from TV, right? So, so like when I'm seeing veterans with PTSD flashbacks and things like that. It's just what I've seen on TV. And, and it's easy to say, man, I ain't got that. You know, my stuff ain't that bad. So what do you guys think? Wow. We get a, Oh, Bill says it perfectly. We're, we're too tough to ask for help. Um, yeah. The reason why 10 years ago I got into mental health field was I'm going to figure myself out. Uh -huh. Yep. Failed. <laughs> failed miserably. It's easy for us in the mental health industry to look at somebody else and say, Oh, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? Do this 
little technique. Do this journal. Um, do this with your husband, your wife, your spouse, whatever. You know, and they come back and they're like, oh, you know, that worked. It's so amazing. And it's like you sit back after a good session like that as a therapist and you're like, well, crap. That helped them, but what about me? Um, and it's just, I, I, when you talk about Hollywood and our society is one of few that looks at Hollywood for our answers. Okay. And it's, you know, um, yeah, well, how do, you know, the British SAS fight, you know, or, you know, well, why don't we look at 007? That's got to be something realistic about that. <laughs> Rest um, in peace, Sean Connery. Right. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. <laughs> um, he still looks like he was frozen at age 70. I, I think he was like 90-something. Yes. Um, yeah. There we go, getting off our rabbit trails already. Great. <laughs> But I want to go back to what uh, Bill mentioned there is we're too tough to ask for help. We don't ask for help because, okay, you know, we brought up a while back, but the, the tree that fell in front of my vehicle, okay, that wasn't a trigger for anything. However, later on, because of all that adrenaline buildup, something else, even smaller, triggered and i had a, a reaction to something completely different maybe even the next day i think it was and you know it was one of my kids that said something or wasn't even remotely over the top at all of what their their response was but my response to that because everything had been building up to that point you know mm -hmm. i didn't ask for the help to say hey i realize i need to take some time here i just had this adrenaline you know i was laughing about it we we're having fun with it but it builds and builds and builds and builds and sure your last call maybe that wasn't you know something that you'll spend nights awake uh about it however it's that stair step it keeps going up to that point mm -hmm. <clears throat> but and it's <laughs> we we talked about coping skills a little bit right before the show and in some messages back and forth and some of our coping skills are great after the reaction mm -hmm. after we have that initial reaction then we can say oh this is what i should have looked for this is what i should look for but when we're in that moment unless we're practicing these coping skills and these calming techniques of whatever, you know, you, is works for you. Um, you're, unless you get into the habit when there is no crisis, you're not going to use it when you're actually in that crisis. Wow. That's, uh, that's good. You know, because a lot of people don't think of it that way. And, um, you know, I guess my thing is, is that when we talk about the stigma, right? Because I'm leading up to something. So we always talk about breaking the stigma about mental health and asking for help and, and things like that. And it was probably about a year and a half ago. Um, and I'm an open book. So about a year and a half ago, I started seeing some changes in myself. Um, and I had already been divorced once. And I started seeing those changes come back. Why? I, I don't know, right? I just started seeing things that I didn't care for. Um, and I see we're, I just want to take a mention, I see we're both, we're all kind of taking turns connecting to the video. So anybody that's watching, we do apologize. Uh, we're getting 50, 60 mile an hour winds, so it's kind of messing with all of our internet. So just hang yeah. with us. If you see us ditch out for a second, we'll be right back. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, when it started causing problems in um my second marriage which truly you know people that know me know i'm genuine when i say this this woman is too good for me like she's out of my league right and uh when i started seeing it mess with that I, i'm like you know i'm not going down that that other road i've been down that one 
And, you know, I, I went to the VA and I talked with my, my PCM, my primary care manager, my, my physician. And I said, I, I think I'm ready to talk to somebody, you know, and they had a local option that, you know, it was kind of like a AA group, you know, they meet every so often and, and uh, nobody knows each other and they don't really, you know, there's no sign in or anything like that. It's just a group of veterans that go and talk. And I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't like people. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, it's crazy because it, it's, that's why we're all in our different houses today. He doesn't like people. <laughs> it's it, right. Well, when you deal with 2% of the population, 98% of the time, that's, that's what you get. Right. Yeah. Um, so I opted to, to, to go one-on-one -on -one with a psychologist. So I opted to, to once a month, well, there for a while, twice a month drive down to Ann Arbor and, and talk to somebody. And, you know, it helped, you know, uh, like you said, you don't, you don't, if you don't practice these things regularly, all right. Now, like I started off with meditation. All right. Um, that really wasn't for me. Like I, I could not set aside a time every day to meditate. Right. You know, so I know you find yeah, that I've cool. tried that too, and I just I I don't know. I I sat there and I tried. I gave it I gave it a good shot, but it's like okay, right. nope, you got to do this in five minutes. Oh, are we done yet? Because we have to do this. Oh, what right. about? This? We'll see. My mind wanders. Right. right? So it's either like, <laughs> man, I'm hungry, <laughs> or like, man, on these windy days, why does the water in the toilet move? You know what I mean? Like, it's just stupid stuff, right? <laughs> does it really go the other way, the other side of the border? <laughs> or the other side of the equator? It does. It does, but yes. <laughs> Those are the things that I, I, I think about. So meditation doesn't work for me. Um, but one of the uh, techniques that I use is is the breathing. And I, I, maybe you know the techniques, or I forget it. Um, breathing. <laughs> yes that's it yes um, but you know that was something that i found worked for me um it, it, and because like th there'd be times where i i get anxiety right i'm waiting for it could, like today completely like you're waiting for the power line call to come out right power lines down you're waiting yeah. for you know a tree came down and hit somebody miraculously you know just whatever you're just waiting for that next call right and you feel that anxiety building up all day long and the minute you can recognize it you're like oh dude what, what am i doing like relax go back to your breathing techniques and things you know, your anxiety comes down and you're back to a normal operating like mm -hmm. procedure. But that's one thing there. And I think we've talked about this before. Maybe it was a podcast. I can't remember. But our normal operating procedure is up here. <laughs> Sorry. So for us. I was just reading Bill's comment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, but for us. You know, it sounds like, Bill, that's from, you know, experience, but, you know, I, I won't psychoanalyze that just yet. I've listened to enough I of could, your podcast. I could tell the story. <laughs> Man, I'm to the age now just sneezing puts my back out. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, is that we always operate at such a high capacity. Um, somebody told me recently that you have a red zone. Mm -hmm. And especially first responders and active duty, they're in the red zone. Um, and then you have, you know, the kind of the maroon zone. And then you have the gray zone where everybody else operates out of. And that's one thing I see with veterans after I heard this conversation um, where we're taken out of that red zone and put in the gray zone. We don't know what to do. Right. Yeah, it's okay. What do we do now? You know, our mind and our body is all geared and ready to respond for something to happen. Like that, waiting for that big power line call. Um, we're waiting for something to happen, but it's not coming. It's not there. Right. And especially with first responders, you're living in that red zone. So you're in that center at all times. And then the, 
the 12 hours you're off or you know um you're what do you do with all that energy i mean right. if you have a slow day i'm sure at the end of the the day you're you're sitting there you're like not much happened today and you've got all this excess energy i mean you feel right. like you could go push the tractor yourself instead of running yeah, the tractor. i wouldn't go that far <laughs> okay maybe like when you're younger your back. <laughs> right no that's just turning the key that'll throw you back <laughs> Um, but, but I mean, you're, you're talking about the, Go ahead. Oh, you're talking about them being, you know, constantly operating in that red zone. Or, I mean, even when or many first responders are zone. off, you're waiting. You, at any point, you could end up in that red zone. I mean, at, as an on-call firefighter, your entire time is just, you know, you don't know when that pager is going to go off. Right. And you have to go right from, as Dustin says, the gray zone, and you're jumping right to red. Right. So, and, I mean, and, I, and even when the call is done, um, if you saw on our Facebook page, I shared one of the uh, a helmet cam video from our house fire this week. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, it's luckily that that one was was not bad. We got there quick. The guys did a great job getting it under control. Um, but then you you're done, right? You got to go back to work, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. You're, you're coming back down to that gray zone and, and you know I, you know yeah that's that's some of that that it's really not healthy you know it, it's stress on your heart you know the blood pressure it's um you know all those things and it seems like everything yeah it's hard to go from that call and then the fire's out or the call's over and you're like okay now what yeah you know it's like you know, in Iraq, you know, a firefight would happen and you're up, you know, you're in that moment, you're in that zone, you get done with the call, you, you, or you get done with the patrol, the ramp comes down, you download all your gear, and everybody just kind of standing around because we're all got that energy like, well, what do we do now? You know, right. we feel like we could run 50 miles now. Yeah, that would never happen. But it, it's you've got all that energy and it's just right there and it almost creates the anxiety. Yes. And you know, that's probably the most honest answer I've gotten yet. That is probably the best. And if my wife was sitting here, that's probably the answer I would give to her. Like, I don't know why I'm acting this way. I, I don't know. And, and you're right. It's that energy that ends up causing me to have an anxiety situation. And it's, that's one thing about, you know, we, we all make fun of the, the National Guard, but I don't know how those boys would would do that, and girls. I don't know how they would do that because they leave a job, go over six months, a year, 15 months, whatever the deployment is, come back and everybody expects the Back same to individual to return that was just there. And if it's their first deployment, it's like, yeah, same person's not going to return. Right. And I, and I can kind of, I mean, I can, that hits home with me. Um, my last seven years of military service were in the <clears throat> national guard. Um, my last deployment was with the national guard and, you know, for all my civilian friends, this was for some of them, the first time they'd known, closely someone that was deploying right so a lot of them yeah. you know were like man is it gonna be all right it's fine <laughs> you know it's fine the war's been going on 20 years we'll be fine you know <laughs> and but there was that that anxiety that they had on my behalf right and then there's my anxiety of like you know yeah contractually and legally you have to save my job you know what i mean like there's that other realm there that yeah mm -hmm. I'm doing my job to do my other job and I always joked around that the National Guard was my hobby, right? I love, being, yeah. I love, I love being an officer, but I miss the military service, so the National Guard was my hobby, you know. And we were gone for nine months, um, you know. Probably one of the proudest things I've ever been able to do is bring all my guys back uninjured. Mm. Uh, well, the thing is, is the last deployment I came home injured. None of my guys did, but I did. 
And, and there were some things that happened that you're right. I, I came back to my job and, and everybody was like, oh man, glad you're back, you know, glad you're safe, this, that, and the other. And then they started realizing like, man, this, this isn't the same John. Like what, what happened mm. over there? And it's like, well, nothing. They're like, no, it, it's okay. Cause you can tell us, you know, it's all right. Just what happened? You're not the same. <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> I, know, like, I love the ones that like, no, you can, you can tell us, you can talk to us about it. It's like, no, because you're going to look at me a lot different. And that's what right. goes through our head. Whether they do or not, we've already pre-decided in our head. Correct. You're going to look at us differently. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like part of it we do out of survival for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Part of it we do out of protecting those around us. Yes. Yeah. We don't want them to endure what we had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um I I only had the one. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Oh no, I was gonna. Well, I mean, and I mean, I was really just gonna kind of derail it and say, well, how how do you how how can we get over that hurdle, or is that a hurdle to even get over? I mean, that I mean, part of part of you know uh, why we're doing. We should this have podcast. muted him before he asked that question. You're right. <laughs> I mean, part of why we're doing this podcast is, is to get yeah, over these types of hurdles because this is what leads to the issues by by not exactly. speaking about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if I'll take the lead, if you don't mind, go for it. All right. So, number one, we have to realize that as veterans, um, people are going to judge us anyway, right? Yeah. So yeah. whether we whether we have PTSD, PTSI, or an amputation, right? Everybody presumably believes that we've all seen combat. Right. Everybody believes that because I was in the Air Force, I was a pilot or something. Right. Um, or, or, or because really the military branches are so small. Hey, you were in the Air Force. My cousin's in the Air Force. Did you know so and so? No. <laughs> you know? No, he like, joined after I got out. I have no right. idea who he is. No idea who that is. <laughs> you know? And so part of it is, is like you said, kind of our survival thing. Um, you know, uh, it's correct. Whether you're a veteran or not, you're always going to be judged by your peers, always. Um, but as veterans, um, I think we do take it for the longest time uh, because veterans were painted as that crazy, you know, they saw some some stuff and, and they're kind of off. And again, this goes back to Hollywood. These, these are what pe- perceptions are. Doesn't mean they're reality. It's just the perceptions that Hollywood is trying to sell movie and make money. This is how we're going to paint a veteran. Right. And what we'll probably two of the two. And of the it movies sells. That, oh, it does. And, and two of the movies that come to my mind um, that are just like, so woo, um, who would be Jarhead. Right. I don't know if you guys have oh. seen that. All right. So, so there's a scene where, a, a squad of Marines are out in like the desert and they're dry humping each other. Right. So now mind you, this is like in the nineties, right? Marines like, can't take them anywhere. Nice. But they were like, well, I can't believe they would do that. Man, have you ever been around the military? Cause I'm telling you, it's not just Marines that do that stupid shit. Right. <laughs> Everybody does that. Right. It's just, that's how you break ice. That's how it's just stupid stuff. Right. So, that's one. And, and the other would probably be the Hurt Locker, right? They, uh, paint, they paint him as such a, I don't want to say a loose cannon, but all the way through the movie, he's not, mm-hmm. he's not right. Now, he is an EOD tech. He's a bomb technician, right? So, yeah, he ain't right. But they, per, they paint that photo of him all the way through. And so when he comes to civilian life, he does not know how to fit in. And, and I've, I know I've shared it with both of you before that, you know, when he's in the, I think it's the ice cream aisle and he's just looking, you know, at, at all the ice creams mm-hmm. and, the, and his wife just told him to get ice cream. And, and here you have like 7,000 flavors. What do you want me to get? I don't understand. Do you want vanilla? And he comes Tell home me. with vanilla. He comes <laughs> home with vanilla, you know, and then in the next scene, he's back in Afghanistan, right? Yeah. So, they, so they, he didn't know how to fit in with civilian life. And boom, he went back to what was comfortable to him. And I think as veterans, that's how we see the public viewing us. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 
And at the same time, you know, I, I can't speak. I guess this would have to be with Jared's part. Now I know Jared works with Warriors Hope and and now us, so he may have a tainted view. But what was your what was your view of veterans prior to hooking up with Warriors Hope and well, us? It, it's kind of tough to say because I do have family members who are veterans. Uh, some combat, some not combat. Uh, I mean, you were talking about coming home as a National Guardsman. I do have an uncle who was na- who retired from National. Oh, maybe Guard. I know him. Yeah, right? Do you know her? <laughs> Do you know anybody from Arkansas? Right. That's such a small group. But yeah, so I mean, like, but he was in charge when he went. So when he came home, it was all military stuff. And he had, and he had to get a check to ramp down every time he came home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, having, having the veterans in, in my family, I mean, my uncle was active duty from Desert Storm right up until recently. Or, I mean, National Guard. I mean, I guess you'd call that active duty, right? Still, I mean, Maybe. I don't know how you want to call it. But, but we'll I, give he him was, a pass. He was, he was consistently involved the entire time. Yeah. And and so, I mean, I, I definitely have different views. But I don't – I've never had heard any of his – too many of his stories. You know, nothing that's uh, too, too in-depth. It was all very surface okay. stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's so, – it's tough to say what what my perception of a veteran really okay. is, uh, because I do know the difference between those that have been active duty and those that are not active duty, but those that have seen combat and those that haven't. Sure. Just from having well, those interactions with family yeah, members. Okay. You know, and then I can throw in like uh, my grandfather was. Both my grandfathers were World War II vets, and one was in the Navy and the other was in the Army, and. My grandfather that was in the Navy was was stationed in England um, when D-Day was occurring, you know, and I, I would hear his stories of how the battleships would, you know, fire their, their cannons and, and, and the, in midday the sky was so dark from all the aircraft still going across the English Channel that it, it you know, it, it locked out the sun, it, you know, but on the other hand, my grandfather that was in the Army that was on Normandy, you know, a yeah. crop duster couldn't go by and he was hiding under a blade of grass. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you see those two different sides and the effects um, that war has on an individual, and then my father, who's a Vietnam vet, and you see movies like Born on the Fourth of July and you see that decline of a character, um, you know, for the longest time, my, my dad would never identify as a Vietnam vet. Never. No, they were not received home well. Um, no. and I think I think it has since changed dramatically. Um, Hopefully and, and, it has. You know, and he, he does wear a Vietnam vet hat now. And we kind of joked about it two years ago when he came up from South Carolina to visit. Um, but, you know, the and I don't even want to pretend what they went through when they came home. But again, you, you know, you want to talk about veterans being judged that generation, you know, who their fathers were the greatest generation, you know, to now coming home and the country totally turning their back on them. Mm -hmm. So I, I think for us, like, like Dustin and I, our fathers who had their country turn their backs to them to now we're in the next generation of war vets. Um, you know, we have a different perspective because we see where the wrongs were righted. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. It's almost I like remember... a big twist uh, where, you know, they came back, the greatest generation got all the applause. Then the Vietnam right. got all of the booze and there's kind of a reset yep. uh, almost in between right now. <clears throat> It's like I remember filmed this <laughs> plot twist. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I remember one time at a uh, air. Uh, where was I? Oh, I don't know. Remember, I was flying, but I was in an airport in uniform. And as I was coming back home, uh, I was walking through, and this person. Uh, I think I was out of the secure area, and this person came up, had a sign. I don't remember what was on the sign. Something peace, love kind of thing and yelled at me and 
yelled baby killer and tried to spit in my face. And I was just like, okay, whatever. You know, and I'm like, you know, go away. The kid was trying to kill us too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and it was like, you know, in my mind, I was just, I kind of blew it off. I was like, okay, somebody has an opinion, whatever, you know, just go away, leave me alone. And then the person ran off and this old guy got up from his seat comes walking over to me and a Vietnam hat on on him, shook my hand, he says, now you know a little bit of what we went through, and turned around and walked away. And I will never forget that that interaction with him. It was just like, okay, you know, yeah, there's some places we would come through and people would applaud. They'd, you know, um, my aunts always give people in uniform uh twenty dollars so when they visit i still try to put on the uniform just get my 20 bucks <laughs> what's your address? little snug <laughs> little <Yeah>. snug <laughs> but you know we didn't see you know we weren't ordered to fly in civvies you know and that's what was back then and that's one thing you know the other movie that came to mind was um oh the clint eastwood one now i just for, forgot it um let me oh. see if i can look it up quick Grand is it Grand Torino? Grand Torino. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Grizzly yeah. old man. Yeah, and you see that grumpy old man, and that's what Hollywood kind of portrays us as. But I kind of want to turn true. the attention. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> firearms out of every port, and <laughs> get off my. But grass. I want to turn it to. <laughs> I want to turn it to the families. Um, right. Yeah, because I'm sure, I hope, families are listening to us. And, you know, um, not to plug Bill's book, but where home becomes a housing unit, you know, there's a lot of truth behind that. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of times I look at my, you know, I've got a five-year-old. I look at my five-year-old, hey, do this. And then I'll get upset and not know why until probably a day or two later i think back be like oh well i told him to do that once he should have done it right away that's why i got upset no you idiot he's five right he, he, you know it's it's not like you're gonna tell you know he, he's not your subordinate he's your son right and that's the problem that i know i struggle still do to this day of well, I said to get it done, get it done, because I'm used to when I was in to say, hey, you guys do this, get this done and come back. And it was done because that's how this the, sure. the chain of command works. Right. Um, now I've got a daughter that's turning was nine, turning 20. And good grief, <clears throat> poor girl probably has my same stubbornness and attitude. And we're always clashing heads because I'm still in that mindset. And that especially if i come home having a bad day hey just do this and it's not done right away i yeah i snap right um and we we let our guards down at home but we expect a lot more to happen at home just because we said it kind of thing you're laughing you got something on your brain it just reminded it reminded me of this time in kuwait my uh, one of my troops we called him sully and uh, I really hope he's watching tonight. His, his last name was Sullivan, but we called him Sully. And he was taller than me, like, you know, a few inches taller. That's not saying a whole lot. It's not. But so this guy, bless his heart, right? Like one day outside the chow hall at, on the flight line, you had to wash your hands at a little, you know, portable wash station there. And, and it's like we worked 12-hour shifts, and we were coming on right at lunch, right? So as soon as you get into – work you go to lunch as long as there's not a sortie going up and <laughs> he, he uh was using that the hand soap thing that exploded all over him. so it looked like slimer from ghostbusters uh, <laughs> all over the front of him right well, <laughs> so this one time i got mad at sully because he didn't he did not he was new uh it was called line d which is line delivery which uh, that's that's us taking the munitions out to the aircraft right so he had always been Still in, jealous right he'd always been in accountability where they count it right 
they have to keep strict numbers on all munitions. So mm -hmm. he didn't know what it was like to expedite munitions from the storage area to the aircraft. You know, and it's and it's a synchronized dance. It really is because the aircraft have to be up at a certain time, but everybody else has to do their job. And, and quite frankly, yeah, the munitions are 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 important, but that plane has to get pre-flight. It has to get fuel. For some reason, you can't fuel these jets the same time you're putting munitions on them. So there's an intricate race to the planes when you when you're out there. Well, he screwed something up, and it really was probably not a big deal at the time, but. As the leader, um, I was under a lot of stress. And we're in the staging area with our munitions, and we had the, the concrete T-walls, if you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. All right. So yep. he's taller than me. So to uh, you know help expound my influence, I stood up on the T-wall and I'm not <laughs> <going> out. <laughs> And that's what I could think of when you said, well, he's a five-year-old. Yeah, if you knew Sully, yeah, he's a five-year-old. He's doing it the best a five-year-old can do. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, Sully. Love you. <laughs> but it's, yeah, and it, it, we expect everything at home to be how it was. Right. And, and it's hard to take that mindset and push it out and realize it's home. That's why we have something called secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. um, secondary trauma, for those that don't know, is the trauma that is a result of an individual PTSD, and it's usually close family members or even friends that sit there, and they didn't go through the actual trauma, but they're seeing and reaping the results of it and not usually, and it's, you know, secondary trauma, so it's a traumatic experience for them, too. And it's taking the trauma that we had and basically handing it off to uh, the next generation, really. And, you know, it was a long time before I real realized that with my kids. Um, yeah. I remember, oh, this was years ago where one of the kids was yelling at another one, you know, and not like, I know, I'm shocked that they do that. Um, and I, I just said, you know, why are you doing that? You know, where did you learn to do that? And they didn't say a thing, but they just went, and I was like, oh. And that one just, you know, it's like that drill sergeant knife hand coming back at you, but it was just this little stubby finger pointing right back at you <laughs> and uh, it, it, it just cut right through me because yeah they did learn it from me i was their example and but they had no trauma but they are living the trauma the results of my trauma and then i started looking for help mm -hmm. so what what type of forms do those that help come from or come in then oh it still goes the podcast on. Is called, this we're calling coping and communication. Yeah. So, so what what type of help? This is a result of that coping. Um, right. Our coping techniques. Uh, you know, some of the people that I counsel with, and even those that I do in foster work with foster care. You know, I can tell them, hey, okay, just just do this. Do the breathing, um, reflective breathing. If there you, you want the technical term, there it is. <laughs> Took me this long to remember. No, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, all of them. <laughs> but when it comes to us, you turn internally. It's like, okay, what do I do now, or why did I do that? And that's where you know. Um, John and I talk about this all the time when we have, when he comes up and maybe he's got someone he needs to go talk to, you know, Hey, your job is to make sure that they're safe right now and get them into this organization that can help them. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be the VA. That would be uh, a private uh, counseling center. Uh, go talk to somebody. Oh, I could never do that. Yep. I said that for years. Right. And I, and then I became a therapist, and it's like, oh no, no, I I I don't need to do this. Nope, still had to do it. 
I think it was our podcast. Somebody said that that should have been, you know, you're in this industry, you should have somebody to talk to. And, you know, you really would think that'd be smart. But those who can't teach, those that are crazy, therapize. (laughs) So I fit right in. Right. You know, and that's, and I think you and I can probably agree that this podcast is therapy for us. Oh, absolutely. Um, Talking. In fact, I'm pretty sure my therapist listens to it, so I should be careful now. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but it's, it's well, and I found it easier to talk to a complete stranger about what was going on than it was a loved one. Because Absolutely. for me, you know, I don't want to say I hide behind the badge, but I certainly wear that badge with pride, and I, and I don't like to show any weakness in it. I feel it taints the badge, right? Um, well, what happens if you're on a call and you're showing weakness? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's everybody's that's a persona. Right. Everybody's going to know. So for me, it's easier <clears throat> to tell a complete stranger the thoughts and feelings that I'm having than it is even my wife. Um, and that's a whole other show right there. But if there was a veteran or a first responder out there that I could tell right now tonight, it would be schedule an appointment with someone, you know, you, yeah. the trust, the trust is not going to be there because that's something you have to build. And you're not going to build that trust necessarily in the first sitting with a therapist. All right. Um, you won't even build it within the first three. No, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I have no problem saying her name now, but Gwen was my <clears throat> first therapist I had. And she's since retired from the VA. Um, but she was like a mother figure, right? Age-wise and everything. She genuinely cared about her patients. And I built the trust pretty quickly with her. And when, when she told me, like, all right, this is going to be our last session, John, because I'm retiring, it was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I, You I, made I, her retire. Good job. I know, right? <laughs> I hope she enjoys it. Um, you were that messed up. <laughs> Right. Now, now she's in therapy. But, uh, <laughs> she's an inpatient treatment. <laughs> probably. You know, I heard the weather's nice at White Pines this time of year. But, <laughs> um, you know, the, the therapist that I see now, uh, he's in the Ann Arbor VA. <laughs> Jared, Jared's holding his head like, I can't believe he just said uh, that. <laughs> you, you can add, well, no, you can't edit that out. No, this live. is live. There's no editing. <laughs> I don't believe in editing. Uh, <laughs> um, Maybe we you? should start thinking about that, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, or just start muting me on your end. But um, <laughs> the Ann Arbor VA is really unique. Uh, I don't know if you've been down there before, Dustin, but it's attached yep. to University of Michigan Hospital. And the cool, the coolest thing about that is University of Michigan sends all of their clinicians through the VA. So you don't necessarily get a VA doctor when you go there. You get a University of Michigan doctor. And yep. my, my, my psychologist is a University of Michigan doctor. And he was ecstatic when I come there. And he's like, dude, legitimately, I work with veterans day in and day out. All right. And trust me, there are some that are far worse than you. And that are, there are some that are better than you. But he says, the reason I like this opportunity to talk to you is because I don't get to speak to first responders. I don't get to talk to people that are experiencing reoccurring trauma. He goes, I help people that had trauma from six months ago, a year ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Not, hey, John, I'll see you in two weeks or three months. All right, how many traumas have you experienced since I talked to you last? You know, so for him, it's, it's, and I, I have to assume he's not the only for, uh, therapist that thinks that way, but, you know, that reoccurring trauma that we experience, um, it's significant, and you have to find a way to channel that out. And I guess to bring it back around, it's communication. Yes, um, and that is very difficult. Um, because a lot of times we're, a lot of times veterans are, and first responders are in a healthy relationship and they don't want that to change. 
and you know well if i start talking about this if i start saying things about this that's going to change the way that they look at me true um yeah there's some things even on this podcast you know we'll get done and my wife will listen to it she'll be like i never heard that before oh yeah by the way uh because this is a lot easier it's more relaxed you know I don't live with you guys, thank God. Um, I don't have to worry about yeah. And but with my wife, it's different, and with those that we live with, it's different because oh, well, you know that you know when they wake up, they're thinking about that thing you told them, yeah. And right. when in reality, no, no, my wife is on something completely different. Um, yeah. She's probably on what didn't he get done on that honey do list? Well, if you keep telling me every six months to do it, eventually I'll get it done. Right, and it, it, it's like we we take our those closest to us, and it's not that we build walls up to separate us. We build walls up around them to right. keep it's, them safe in our mind. But in the end, it's actually hurting everything, right? Because it's going to build up and build up and build up, and they're going to realize that they're not being told everything now you know is it does that mean we have to tell our spouse every or those close to us everything we go through no that's what therapy's for right um you know i had a therapy session a few weeks ago and i was like i started telling the story and i was like wow i don't think i've ever told this to anyone you know i don't even talk about this with the guys that i went through it with and of course she the therapist was smiling because she knew it was finally opening up um but it's like you know for those that have never been into therapy before it's not like you're gonna go in and you're gonna be bawling your eyes out the first session no the first session is hi this is me who are you i need to get to know you right. and they're gonna ask a lot of questions it's, so, it's very much like an interview. Yes, absolutely. And they're going to want to know family history, religious preference, um, traumas. And a lot of times the therapist will probably even say, okay, you've had a lot of trauma in your life. Let's kind of keep that packaged up. We don't want to unpackage this today. Because the insurance demands that the therapist does this assessment, fills out this paperwork, and then the next session or two, you do what's called a treatment plan, you know, and which in my personal thing, treatment plans are, there's too much focus on a treatment plan, but you know, I could go on forever for that. And sometimes you just need to talk Then probably about the third session. They'll be like, okay, during the assessment, you said this, let's start talking about it. Right. You so really slowly unpackage it yeah it's not like they're gonna say okay oh look at the time okay take that and go no their job is to help you unpack it and then package it back into where it needs to go because sometimes it's like when you do a move you'll you know i remember when the, we did a move with the army i open this box i pull it out there's bubble wrap all around I mean, the box was probably, you know, it was a big box. Unwrap the bubble wrap, trash bags. <laughs> that was it, trash bags. They bubble wrap trash bags. And it's well, like, sometimes it's like, okay, that doesn't go into this box. So we're going to put it back where it needs to go. And that's really what therapy is helping you do. Unpack those boxes, right. put it where it needs to go. And just, just for like Jared to understand, when you're in the, the military, they, they have contractors that come out and pack all your stuff in your house for you. Okay. Oh. And, and and they, they run a running inventory, and then at the end, you sign it after you verify it, and they number each box with a number tag. And then when you get to your new duty station or your new home, they unpack it in front of you. Heck, they even put it where you want it. Oh, and you, yeah. they take they take the numbers back off the boxes and put it back on the sheet to to say yes, oh there were things here oh gotcha there was another box that they packed up my garbage <laughs> yeah stuff that was so supposed nice to go to the them. curb yeah it was great yeah yeah they actually amazing, packed up my garbage bag that was full of garbage 
It was amazing. And they bubble wrapped it so it was safe. Nothing in there was going to break. <laughs> right? I watched this little Okinawan man. He was probably five foot four, maybe 100 pounds. Maybe. And he's got the whole stinking refrigerator on his back. It'd make a Mexican proud, I tell you. <laughs> Jared looks like he's got a headache. Every time. Every time. <laughs> Every two weeks, he takes extra ibuprofen. <laughs> I thought this only happened because we, I actually saw you. Not... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like this all the time, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the, the whole thing when it comes to coping is you got to find what works for you. What works for John is not going to work for Jared. What works for me is not going to work for you, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hopefully we don't have any animal lovers on here. If you did, I'm sorry, but I took time today and I was. We have chickens here, and we're slowly <laughs> butchering them. It was you know what? Day. It was slaughter day for about an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, I could feel myself responding wrong, and I went out there and I cleaned a few chickens. You know, and I you know, after I was done, it gave my chance, my mind a chance to reset because I didn't have to think. Right. And it just gave me that moment by myself where I could just do the process I've done before and just kind of reset my mind. And every person's, you, you've got to find something that will help you do that. And it took me a long time. Um, you know, I'll tell my wife, hey, I'm going to therapy in the morning. She goes, okay, let me know if you get a deer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the tree stand. Um, and she's like, well, I should take up hunting. I said, okay, go for it. I got the kids. She hasn't taken me up on it. But, you know, it's just you've got to find that time of self-care. If you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to be able to take care of those around you? And at work, you know, John can express this with more expertise than I can. But when you're at work... Yeah, it's like you said uh, a couple, about two podcasts ago. You know, when you're in a situation, you're not thinking. No. You're reacting to your training. For those that are in, in active duty and a situation comes up, the rounds start incoming, you're not thinking, maybe I should duck right now. That'd be a good idea. No, it's instantaneous. Right now, you're down on the ground and you're already – got your sectors of fire established and that happens in seconds um the the army calls it muscle memory and i'm sure yep uh first responders do too that you don't have to think what do you have to do next with cpr what do you have to do next with in this situation um but when we come home we've got to start training our brain and our anxiety our body to respond differently at home right and that's tough and I think that's you know if there's any veterans out there I hope this is what they're grabbing from it is that what you've been doing for the last I don't know how long it could be you maybe you've been out of the military a week maybe you got out yesterday maybe you're still in maybe you were in Vietnam 50 years ago I, I don't know but whatever it is that is not working for you now don't think tomorrow when you get up and you do the same thing things are going to get better all right mm -hmm. i don't know anyone that recognizes that they have a problem or had a problem uh i don't think anyone ever truly thought i'll just keep doing what i'm doing no they all realized something was wrong and i gotta fix it so if there's anything that you take away from this, I hope it's the fact that I got to do something different. Maybe, maybe John and Dustin know what they're talking about. Maybe because they've been through this and they're open about it, maybe they're right. Maybe it's time for me to go talk to somebody. Um, you, if you want something to change, the only thing that's going to change or has to change is you. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect it to, to suddenly wake up and do something different. Um, <clears throat> that's where you start getting into substance use. And I know yep. 
um, I know for veterans, um, John, I'll let you speak to first responders, but for veterans, alcoholism is one of the hugest things. And uh, uh, Jared and I talked about it the other, the other uh, last podcast too, I think, was now I'm going to take a shot for remembering this person. And then it, right. you know, well, that felt good and made me feel better. You know, and it's, you know, we'll, we'll keep going and going and going. Right. Well, first responders are 4% more likely to suffer from substance abuse um, and habits, you know. Um, they're also 15% more likely to suffer from suicide or suicidal thoughts. So, yeah, you know, we, uh, you know, and, and I can openly say that there are, there are days where I come home and I'm just like, what the hell was that all about? You know, and, and I, I'm okay with now, let me clear this up. Now I'm okay to the point that when I pour a drink, I'm okay. That, that takes the edge off and I'm done. Right. Mm -hmm. There was a time when I couldn't just stop at one. Um, but I'm able to do that, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to unwind somehow. Absolutely. And being honest with yourself, you know? Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do is being honest with yourself. Um, Jared's looking at the clock. I was like, it's, you know, it's about time to wrap up. So okay. it's not like you're wrapping up pretty nice, actually. You know, John, John did a nice little. Uh, we do this naturally, <laughs> right? Right. It's like we all know it's been an hour. <laughs> uh, uh, finally, no. <laughs> um, no, but if you don't know where to reach out, uh, and you're listening to this, contact us. Facebook page is easiest. Uh, yep. If John or Jared can't. If they don't know where it's at, you know, they'll, you know, I can jump in. I've got a lot of resources of different places and people that can help. Um, usually when John contacts me, I, I've got names of therapists that, you know, I know are even accepting new clients. Um, but if you need to talk, you know, reach out to us. We, we want to make sure you're okay too. Uh, we want to make sure that you're, not going to harm yourself or others. That's the big thing right now for the immediacy is make sure you are okay. And then let us help you with the process of getting in to see somebody. Um, I know given hour is one program that does it for free for veterans. I got to look in to see if it's first responders. I don't remember. Um, but we'll help you with that process. You know, we're just a tool. We're just here to help you get into. Yeah, I knew it. as soon as I said tool, I'm like, John's going to laugh. It's time to cut his video. <laughs> but we're just here to help you get to that step where you're going to be okay. Well, and it's and a process. That's, that's the coolest thing that sets us apart from other first responder podcasts and veteran podcasts is we're not just saying, here's the information, go get it. Um, for our local people, truly, this is our passion is to help you and your families get through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, through the Facebook page, um, Surviving Danger Close, send us a, a private message and we will get back with you. Um, because ultimately, man, there's a whole life out there worth living. And uh, we want to see you celebrate that with your families, for sure. Yeah. And I know I speak for myself that, you know, I've tried to do it myself and it's hard. Yeah. So I wish there was an SDC program that helped me. The one that helped me get on this path of recovery was uh, Walleyes for Warriors. Yep. And when I first heard of them and it was just like, I had somebody that knew what I was going through. So yeah, if you're out there, especially if you're thinking on hurting yourself, you know, that's, we, we want to help. Yeah, um, we all know what being on call is, you know, and that's what we are when we started this. We knew the possibility that we'd have to respond to something. And, you know, we're willing to do it. We're willing to help out. All right, Jared, turn it over to you. All right. 
Well, I guess, you know, I guess let's wrap it up. So communication, I mean, we talked about that uh, as a great way for the coping. Uh, meditation, maybe for some, but definitely not for you two. And uh, sometimes, well, I mean, honestly, just, just sitting out in the woods, waiting for that deer to come by, that is meditation. It, it truly is. Just yeah. sitting there waiting, enjoying the sun, even if you're thinking about what you have to do when you get back out of the woods. It's still meditation yeah. being out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sometimes called sleeping, but yeah. what? Whatever works. Whatever clears your mind. That's the important thing. Uh, or, or you know, if it's taking care of chickens, and I mean taking care of chickens. Uh, That's because so, the goats were already taken care of. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. We okay, have, we've gone off the rails. Think. <laughs> We want to thank everybody for watching. Uh, again, yes, thank contact, you. contact that Facebook page if you need anything from, if you're having any issues, and we will get you hooked up with the right people.